0: And we are live with another edition of the All-Gas, No-Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Bavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson and Andrew Boy, Did we have a super wild card weekend, to say the least, from this past week? A lot of stunning upsets happened, some big-time action, a lot of blowouts nonetheless in some of those games. We did have a couple close ones as well. Also have some NFL coaching news to discuss this week on the show, as we have a couple other coaches now. No longer with their teams. We do have a new head coach with a certain organization that I know you would like to talk about later on in the show. But overall, Andrew, what did you think of this entire wild card weekend that we had and now going on to the divisional round?
1: Do I have to talk about the coaching news later?
0: Is that like a Oh, you're gonna talk about it. Is that like a written requirement? I don't oh, know. Uh, like, what if I
1: abdicate I don't want
0: to do it? You're gonna talk about it. Because I, because if my coach gets fired next year, you're gonna make me talk about it. Uh
1: my coach was not fired. My coach usually decided to ways. part ways. I mean, Bob Draft right. had a sit down, and they decided to part ways. That's a well, big difference we'll, of gaining the X. We'll,
0: well, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about that later.
1: Right. I was like very. I was very excited for Wild weekends. Um. First, I guess we we can go into the Cleveland Browns games. The Texans get a big win over the Browns. Joe Flacco' the Cinderella story is over, which is a it tragedy. Is unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I really thought he had it in him, but I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you recap this.
0: Yeah, this was a close game going into halftime. I mean, it was the Texans able to hold on to elite going into the half. And the second half really was the difference maker for these two teams. Flacco threw two pick sixes in the third quarter. The Texans really, you know, had a huge second half due to their defense. And that's a defense that has been riddled by injuries. So a kudos to them and to Miko Ryan's for getting them to this point and playing the way they played in this game. It looked like early on Flacco was going to have some good you know a really relatively good game like he did the last time he faced Houston a couple weeks ago. Uh he had a couple of big pa- you know passing plays. Kareem Hunt had two touchdowns in the first half, the only two touchdowns unfortunately for the Browns in this game as the Texans get a big 45 to 14 win over the Cleveland Browns. They now move on to the divisional round. We'll talk about later on who they will play in that divisional round, but Johnson, you got to give your hand to D'Amico Rice. We talked about him last week. Certainly a coach of the year candidate. Most likely now will win the award after this game. And now he's got his team now, not only going from picking second overall in the draft last season to now going to the divisional round and being one of the final eight teams remaining in this year's NFL playoffs.
1: Yeah, have to give it to the Browns. They really beat the living hell out of it. Uh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. That's what I want teams. to be saying. They have to give it to the Texans. They really beat the hell out of the Browns. Cleveland looked really competitive for about twenty minutes. Can I say yeah, twenty
0: minutes? Just about. Um,
1: I know they really took the, they took the lead late in that game, uh, or late in that, uh, or solidified their lead late in the second quarter. Excuse me, right before halftime. And I figured, okay, Cleveland got to stop on defense coming out of a break. Here's the time, and then Joe Flacco for two pick sixes, and then that was the game. Really, This was a despite what it's kind of what you kind of saw on the uh in the scoreboard uh in the box score. This was a winnable game for Cleveland throughout this entire game. Uh, it's just that at the end of the day, they couldn't get it done. And we have to look at what CJ Shroud did. When's the last yeah. time a rookie quarterback has been this dominant not only in the regular season but his first postseason appearance as well? I can't I mean... think of one.
0: It is very tough to think about. Who and I mean, that's true rookie. I'm not
1: talking like Patrick Mahomes who sat for a year, or Tom Brady who sat for a couple of years. True rookie right. quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, think about what they've done. We talked about his turnover, you know, differential marker last week, where you know he threw five interceptions during the entire regular season, and then he goes into this for his first game as a postseason starter for the NFL, and only five incompletions. He threw three touchdowns, 274 yards against a Browns defense that has been top five in pretty much every statistical category this entire season. Now, credit, they have had some injuries along the way. They did get back some key starters for this game, but they just had no match for this Houston Texan offense. I mean, you're seeing a lot of good emergence from this offense overall, and the sky's only the limit for this team. They're pretty much playing with house money at this rate. A lot of people, including maybe even themselves, didn't expect to get to this point in the season, and yet here they are now two wins away from going to the Super Bowl.
1: This has to be a good feeling for Texans fans, especially it's a franchise that's been long-suffering. Yeah. They should still be the Oilers, but that's besides the point. Um, Uh, Yeah. And there's always that controversy every year. I've said multiple times that Tennessee has no uh, lineage to that team. They should just really give it back to them. Uh, I, I don't know why they keep that whole mantra. Just like if Seattle ever gets back their NBA team, I would hope the funder would abdicate those rights to them as well, but.
0: Neither here nor there.
1: But looking forward yeah. to this Texans game next week.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about later on who they will play as we try to not spoil just yet who they are playing in that division round. Mostly, maybe everyone knows. But for those that don't know, we will preview that matchup later on in the show. But talk about the second game that happened on Saturday night, and that was the Miami Dolphins going to Arrowhead to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. A game that was very, very cold. One of the coldest games in NFL history. I believe negative 4 degrees was the temperature for this game at kickoff. And let's just face facts. I mean, this was a rough game for the Dolphins overall offensively. They just seem to have no match for this Chiefs defense, who has been playing pretty good all, all around this entire season. Um, they were able to get back Tyreek Hill later on in the year. They got back Jalen Walla, over he mosted for this game. But it did not help their offense whatsoever. Tua Tagovailoa, not a strong performance from him. Threw an interception in this game. Was pretty much under duress the entire way. And it's not like the Chiefs' offense did anything, you know, out of the ordinary to win this game. Rasheed Rice continues to be a big playmaker for Patrick Mahomes, 130 yards receiving for him and a touchdown, the only touchdown for the Chiefs in this game. But, yeah, oh, excuse me, I had Pacheco touchdown. I almost forgot about that. Pacheco had a big game for the Chiefs running uh, rushing-wise for them. But this game comes down to Miami. These last two postseasons, it's just been another – Tough defeat, and especially the way the Miami collapsed at the end of this season really stings now for the Dolphins going into the offseason. They have a lot of offseason moves to go under. There might also be, you know, under scrutiny, Mike uh, Mike McDaniel, he could be under the hot seat going into next year, considering how this collapse happened. Had a great opportunity to win the division and potentially get that number two seed in, in the AFC playoff picture. They falter and go all the way down to the sixth seed. They lose to the Chiefs. And now they're going home and have to wait to see what happens.
1: Now I do want to mention one thing here, and I don't believe you—you you brought it up. Uh, Patrick Holmes did not play stellar. However, he did connect with nine different re- receivers, right? Yes. Kadarius Tony was none of them.
0: Well, he was—he was injured.
1: Well, yeah, it's just funny though. That—that ruins the joke. Don't shh shh. Sh. Well listen, I have to I have to be I know we have to our, be I know we have to be unbiased, but it's some humor now that if you watch well, this the guys,
0: fair obviously it's it's funny to yeah,
1: me. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's always funny at this point. It's it's funny for anyone. But Patrick Mahomes did not look stellar, and even though Tua had a horrific game where he kinda had a game ceiling interception as well, um Patrick Mahomes hasn't looked good. He continues not to look good. I know Rasheed Rice, like you said, had a great game 130 yards, uh touchdown. That's great, but it's what happened to Mahomes this off season? It's going to be studied because it feels like every single time this guy takes the field, I'm not impressed by him.
0: Is is well, it a I, me thing? I think it's a you thing. I mean, we all know you're not a big proponent, you know, big fan of him anyway. Right. And that's that, that's but...
1: perfectly fine. But can you point to me the last time he had like a Patrick Mahomes type game, like the games you, he's known for this season? The well, last thing he's like, oh, it's, that's a patch of Mahomes game. It's been about
0: a month or two. I I'm not uh, I would,
1: it. I would venture to say the last time he had like a patch of Mahomes like performance was maybe on Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving week with against the Raiders. I think that's the last time he uh, he had that kind of game.
0: Yeah, so uh, yeah, so a even,
1: month or two. Yeah, I mean it's almost two months at this point, though, And yeah. That's probably the only game he's had in that whole stretch.
0: Well, that's why the, the, I talked about the Chiefs' defense. I mean, they've been huge for them down the stretch of the season because obviously the Chiefs went on that little bit of a you know a slide towards the end of the year. There was one point a week where Denver was one game back in the division. Uh, the Chiefs were able to hold on and clinch the division, obviously. They get this home playoff game. They win. And we'll talk about later on in, in the show about who they will face in the divisional round. But. It is, it is definitely a concern for the Chiefs. I mean, obviously, the offense hasn't been there all season for them, pretty much. And you're really relying on this defense now more than ever than you have before, which is not necessarily the worst thing because the Chiefs defense gave a 35 in that Super Bowl last year. So it's good to see that they're now having a really, really good, strong year this year. But I think for Kansas City, I think it's really going to come down to if the Chiefs get a you know are able to finish drives, they'll have a chance to win. They had a lot of good drives in this game against Miami, but they were not able to finish them. They had the two touchdowns as I mentioned—the one from Pacheco, the one from Patrick Mahomes throwing it to Rice—but other than that, it was all field goals from there. They had five field goals in this game, so it really comes down to—or sorry, um—they had four field goals in this game. I almost did my math wrong, but and it comes down to the end of the day: can they finish drives and are able to get into the end zone for touchdowns? That that will have to be you know wait and see, but. I think either way, if Pacheco continues to give them more of a good running game like he did in this one, then Patrick Mahomes really won't have to do as much as he needed to do in the past.
1: And now you have to talk about Miami's offseason now. Oof. If I was – and this isn't me joking around. I know we joke around a lot here. If I was Tua, I would seriously consider spending the rest of my off season in a place like Green Bay or New England uh, – I know they play in a dome, but up in Minnesota, you know, not playing inside You're that dome. You're saying somewhere
0: cold so he can play Somewhere the cold,
1: so he can kind of get used to it. He played at Alabama. He's from Hawaii. Now he's playing in, in Miami. He
0: has not played in this environment pretty much his entire career. And keep in mind, this was his first playoff start because, remember, he did not start the year prior due to injuries. They had Skylar Thompson start that game against Buffalo. So that would have been a good, you know, pre-test for him to potentially feel out this cold weather, and especially a road environment game. But... This is his first NFL postseason start.
1: Yeah, right. And it's uh it kind of showed. Uh he had some jitters and he that's gonna did. happen sometimes. It's 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 fine. It's a, it's first time starting quarterback. Nothing wrong with it, but you just have I to think, kind of, you have to, yeah. I think he has to kind of figure himself out. Like, yeah. can you say it's the cold? Because all season you looked like you played well. Was it just the um? You see, know, I, don't, Jalen see I don't. Jalen Waddle being injured know, the,
0: the last month of that season. Once December hit, that the Dol- It wasn't only you know Tua. It was the whole team. They had a lot of injuries throughout the entire season, which really hurt them. At the end of the day, um, you lose so many good playmakers, especially on defense. That hurts a lot. You, you, you're, there's no way of getting back from that. But it just looked like Tua realistically just couldn't make the right decisions when needed it the most. And these last couple of weeks, you saw what happened against Buffalo, had some really bad interceptions thrown, and that cost them that game against the Bills. And then this one, it was pretty much just dump offs and, you know, check downs. And he wasn't throwing the ball deep to Tyreek Hill. That one touchdown was the only deep ball he threw in that game, pretty much. So the Dolphins have a lot of questions going into the offseason because. Do they trust Tua enough to keep this going? He's coming up on a contract year sooner rather than later, so they have to figure that out. Mike McDaniel, as I mentioned, he could be on the hot seat going into next year considering what happened at the end of this season, which it sucks because I like Mike McDaniel. I think he is a good head coach. I think he's really good offensive-minded coach. And just I don't know if you could really justify what happened this season and then if they falter next year, then what can you really do with the franchise? And no. They have a lot of salary cap issues as well, which is going to be big for them.
1: Now, I noticed that you said Mike McDaniel is a good head coach, and I'm not going to really go into it right now. But if you've noticed over the last couple of years, I refrain from calling any new head coach kind of good.
0: And, and well, here's why. Meaning that like, uh, they, he turned over the team well from what they, where they that, were a couple of that, years that's ago. Great. That's, that's great. But you, you, they were bad, and now they're kind of mediocre. That makes
1: sense. They're not winning the division. won't what's they A mediocre. They're, not, they're, not, they're mid. I mean, yeah, b- mediocre mid. It's this. It's really the same thing at the end of the day. He's not winning playoff games. He's not. I mean, uh, he's not winning he's not, even winning. he's not winning. He's not winning the division, and well, he's having yeah. these collapses late in the year. Can you really say, "Oh, he's a good head
0: coach"? Like, would a good head coach suffer from these problems? I I I saying it more of the fact of the Dolphins have looked better under him than compared to when they were under, uh, I'm trying to think of the Dolphins head coach before Mike McDaniel. Um, you want to allude, you can say Brian, pretty bad. Under, I'm going to go back uh, 18 years, say Nick Saban. Yeah. I would Do we have some news about him too? We, we know, obviously I'm pretty sure everyone knows about that, but we'll talk about that later on. But yeah, I mean, I listen, I, th- I, I like McDaniel. I, I don't like, he's kind of like how I feel about Brian Dable where like, I think he's a good enough coach to keep a culture around because at the end of the day, you see it, the, the players like him. It just comes down to what can you do on the field that will provide you results. And the way the season ended for Miami is not a good indication for him. So that I'll give you that. I think, at the end of the day, they have to figure out what are they gonna to do to try to potentially run this back or who are they gonna lose? No. I would be I wouldn't be stunned if most of it's gone after this season considering the year he just had for them and now they have Devin Achain. They really don't you know necessarily I wouldn't say need him, but they have a lot of cap issues going into the offseason.
1: So the question I like to ask and this is going forward with every coach we discuss. If this coach, if Mike McDaniel was fired tomorrow, would the Raven would would the Ravens look to hire him? Would the Forty ers look to hire him? Would any of these other kind of would the Steelers look to hire him? And if the answer to that is no,
0: yeah, no, they're not.
1: I don't think I don't think he's a good head coach.
0: Well, I mean, if you're looking if you're looking to fix your offense, then yeah, they, they a team would be stupid enough not to hire him.
1: Yeah, I'm talking about would a contender hire him though?
0: Yeah, because you're if sure? you lose. Because if a contender loses their offensive coordinator, look at that—you have an offensive coordinator job open up. Think about well, the teams that we. Think about some of the teams right now. You got the Lions right now. Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator, he's getting head coaching opportunities potentially. The Bengals are potentially maybe lose Brian Callahan. Yeah, but would you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not
1: saying he, I'm not saying McDaniel becoming an OC. I'm talking about McDaniel as the head coach of those organizations.
0: Well, I mean, they're not. I mean, those teams are not going yeah, to fire their head what, coaches right now. But what I'm
1: saying is, any of these contenders, if God forbid something happened to the head coach, would McDaniel be on that short list? I, I, I gotta say no. I don't think he I would mean, be on that I short mean, list. I would,
0: I, I would say the Steelers would be offering him. The Steelers are a weird
1: them. situation. I'm not really so. No one's really sure what's going on there. I'm gonna kind of avoid that for now.
0: Yeah, but I, I, I don't, I, I don't really think it's a fair argument to ask if a contending team would do that. I mean, what unforeseen future thing would happen to them?
1: I, I don't know, but tiring? I feel like that's, that's about it. Yeah, but that's a great uh, like. Would the Patriots hire if Mike McDaniel was available? Would the Patriots hire him? I mean, yeah, I know if I held had the whole thing with. Yeah, um, if you're asking
0: me a contending team,
1: yeah, any contending team, any team in I don't know, like I feel would like they him, wouldn't, yes. they would not hire him. That's that's what they, they get, would
0: hire. They would hire. Him. Like
1: I would say they would hire Mike Vrabel. That's a whole other situation, but Mike McDaniel, I I I just don't see him as the guy yet.
0: I don't know. I I, I digress. I, I I think so. I think he would get another head coaching job if he we were to get fired. But I, again, that's not that's not here talk till next season because again, it all depends what happens with Miami next year. Right. That that's really Obviously. what comes out at the end of the day. So who knows? But there could be a head coach maybe on the hot seat after what happened this Sunday. And oh, Johnson, this started off a pretty good weekend for me this past weekend. Let's talk about those Dallas Cowboys. Home game against the Green Bay Packers. And here was the talk going into the week. Packers pretty much play with house money. They had you know, they, they didn't expect to get here. They were very glad grateful to be here. The seven seed. The Cowboys had not lost a playoff game in a oh, I shouldn't say that. Let me, let me rephrase it. They haven't lost a home game all season. They were 8-0 at home this year. The two seed. Everyone is picking them to go to the NFC Championship game to potentially play San Francisco. And they had potentially one of the worst first halves I've seen in a while. Dak Prescott throwing pick sixes. Their defense is getting torched by Romeo Dobbs. They had no answer on both sides of the ball for this game. Aaron Jones is getting some big-time runs. Jordan Love pretty much looking like Aaron Rodgers 2.0. And the Cowboy fans know how Aaron Rodgers was against them. This happened. Believable. Those for three touchdowns, 272 yards. I mentioned the two interceptions for Dak, which both led to pick sixes, or at least one of them, if I remember correctly. And the Packers are the first seven seed in this new inception of the NFL playoffs to move on and advance after they beat the Cowboys 48 32. Green Bay automatically Johnson will move on to San Francisco, considering they are the lowest seed remaining in the NFC. They will play the 49ers in the divisional round. And for the Cowboys, another pitiful playoff loss.
1: Somewhere there's someone saying in the NFL office, uh, saying, See, I told you the seven seed was a good idea.
0: They are very happy about this result, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, because now, like, the fans were saying, Oh, the seven seed is pointless. Now it's like, well, actually, because here's the thing. At the end of the day, football is the most unpredictable sport on the planet. Any given Sunday. And I'm going to say so more so than soccer or European football. or We we call this American football. Because there's only 11 guys on a soccer field at one point. There's 11 guys that swap off offense and defense for football. It's a higher injury risk. And uh, it's not like baseball or hockey or basketball where you play a seven-game series to determine the best possible team, right? Because in, in the NBA, in the NFL, uh,
0: sorry, yeah, NBA and NFL, sorry, NBA, NHL, MLB, you see upsets yeah, all the time. Best of seven, best of five, yeah. They you win have, a game, like oh games.
1: yeah, that's great, and then they get swept. They get the gentleman's sweep. They win one, then they lose four in a row. It happens a lot. You can have a team that just kind of sneaks by, like the Packers, and take down a favorite like that any given Sunday. You know, touchdown favorite doesn't matter. And that's why the seven seed is great in football, and we're going to see this with college football next year because it wouldn't surprise me within a year or two if the twelve seed ends up taking on the one seed eventually. It might take five or six years, but I think it will eventually happen.
0: Maybe. Who knows? But I think there's two sides to this story for this game. One, the emergence of Jordan Love has been unbelievable these last couple of weeks. I know you have mentioned it a lot. Um, he looked great in this game. Romeo Dobbs looked really good for them, too. And that was, you know, huge for the Packers because Dobbs really not done much this entire season. And he had 151 yards receiving in this game and a touchdown. But nonetheless, you had a great game from Love on one side. And on the other side now, what does Dallas do now going into the offseason now? There's a lot of questions. Mike McCarthy now is certainly going to be on the hot seat. He might potentially be fired. And knowing Arlette Johnson, it most likely will happen after this recording. So we'll have to pretend. Give it to, about twenty-four you know, hours. Yeah, give it about twenty-four hours because so that's when you exactly to what happened. That the 17th happened last
1: week or tonight on the sixteenth or on the eighteenth. It probably happened by then. So remember, that happened everyone. last week for us.
0: So it happens happen-
1: all the time within twenty-four happens- hours. There's other breaking news.
0: So there you have that you know con- controversy going on with McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Who knows what the future is for Dak Prescott as well after this game? Another playoff loss. That puts him at two and five in his career. As a playoff starter for the Cowboys, and I don't know, this was a really bad performance. The score might indicate that it was kind of close, but it was Packers from the opening kickoff. They dominated this game. Well,
1: because here's the thing, Dallas had a legit chance towards the end there.
0: Eh, Dallas had the ball back.
1: Listen, I know. Listen, I know they would have to get two touchdowns and two two point conversions, but theoretically speaking, they were not. They were not done yet. Now, that being said, Dallas did do a lot of box score window dressing towards the end. There, Jake Ferguson getting a hat trick at the end of the game there, catching back-to-back touch, uh, touchdowns in garbage time uh, under six minutes on the clock there. So Dak looks like, oh, yeah, Dak did his best for, you know, 400 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, he threw two picks, but, you know, maybe it wasn't his day. Like, no, Dak really cost him this game. Without those two touchdowns, Dak, yeah. this is probably his worst playoff
0: performance of his career. Dak and the defense were not good in this game. The defense for the Cowboys has been something that they have been. Well, I will say that Dak did set
1: the defense up for failure. When you have the short yeah, field, like that's a little I, bit. It's a little I, bit
0: tougher. Yeah, but I get that. But there was a. You have to admit there was so many wide open passes the Packers had in this game. Musgrave scored a touchdown with a guy that was maybe thirty yards away from him, and there was just no one around him when he scored. Dobbs was open pretty much every single time he caught the ball. They had no answer on defense either. This was a really bad performance on both sides of the ball for the Cowboys.
1: I mean, at the end of the day, congrats to Green Bay, Jordan Love. Looking like uh, the Packers may have found a third-generational quarterback. Um, oh, looks to be, yeah. And congratulations on the, the, the one Super Bowl. You'll win with him in about 10 years, and then he'll go to It'll the be Jets again. New York again. Jet. yep. So Jordan Love <laughs> to the New York Jets in about the 2036 offseason. Heard it here That's,
0: first. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. Um yeah, I think it's a very we talked about the Dolphins, what they had they have to go into the offseason, what they potentially will have to do. Dallas is pretty much in the, gonna be in the same boat. I don't know if McCarthy's gonna be the head coach going to next season either. I'm just saying there's an old ball coach that's currently a uh a free agent right now. And I will uh,
1: say that um might be in Dallas soon. This was the greatest coaching job Mike McCarthy ever did for Green Bay. So they're probably pretty much about this.
0: And this is the best coaching job we've seen from Dan Quinn do in a while, because I am under the theory, Johnson, this is probably going to be his last game as a Cowboys defensive coordinator. I'm of the notion that he's most likely going to be in Seattle soon to return this time as the new head coach. And we'll talk about that later on the show.
1: That would be a crazy, uh, crazy occurrence. And I guess we'll have to wait
0: and see. But speaking of things about crazy, how about the first home playoff game for the Detroit Lions? I believe it's what 1993 was the last time they hosted a playoff game. Yep. And a a game that had a lot of storylines going into it. They were hosting the Los Angeles Rams, as you all know, a game between Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff, that infamous tree from just a few years ago. The Rams were able to win a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford. Now the Detroit Lions are trying to do that with Jared Goff, and this is a pretty good game. Probably the best game we had all weekend. The closest game we had all weekend, that's for sure. And it was pretty much back and forth throughout the entire way. The the Rams had a chance at the end of the game to potentially win this one. They just were not able to convert. The Lions defense held on strong towards the end. They were able to get a big conversion late to hold on and win this one 24-23. Detroit wins their first playoff game since 1991 in this one over the Rams. And they had some good performance in this one. Jerichoff, 22-27 for two seventy seven in a touchdown. David Montgomery added a touchdown, as well as Jameer Gibbs. Amon Ross St. Brown continues his monster season, 110 yards receiving on seven catches. Josh Reynolds, the former Ram, had 80 yards receiving as well. But let's not discredit what the Rams did in this game either, Johnson. Matthew Stafford threw for 367 and two touchdowns. And his return to Detroit, he did everything he could. And most of those yards going to Puka Nakua, who had one of the best rookie seasons we've had ever from a wide receiver. 181 yards and a touchdown in his rookie playoff debut. Unfortunately, though, for the Rams, it just was not enough as Detroit moves on.
1: We are seeing the emergence of the next generation, though. C.J. Stroud, uh, Jordan Love, phenomenal playoff games. Only both threw the ball 16 times, but almost 300 yards for both of them. Multiple touchdowns. You're seeing Puka Nakua, like you mentioned. So these next this next generation of stars is starting to break out, and I do want to give a special shout-out to season ticket holder Benjamin Cap who has, yes. was there in person, he went viral, 89 years old. He's been a season ticket holder for 66 years. So you're talking about this guy's been, been here since the 1950s. I believe 1959 was his first year. Don't quote me on that. Uh, that must be something really special for him. And when you saw him during the game, if you didn't know he was a season ticket holder for 66 years, you would have assumed he was about 70
0: years old. For so, for so for someone who's only 90 years old, he's looking really good for his age, Yeah, he does too. look pretty good. Um, I think the other good thing for this this Lions team is, now, obviously, in postgame, they want to play the Cowboys. They still want revenge from that controversial game a couple of weeks ago, but riddled off with the Cowboys' loss, the Lions now will host another playoff game in the divisional round, and we'll talk about who they will host in that divisional round later on in the show, but... There's a lot of good things going on for Detroit. This is a realistic chance that they could potentially go to their first ever Super Bowl. They're now two wins away for doing that.
1: Two wins away from immortality. Is it probably going to happen? Cover your Benjamin. Probably
0: not. But would it be a good story? Absolutely. It would be a fun story. That's for sure. Um, let's go now into the Monday night slate that we had this week. Now, obviously, this next game was supposed to take place on Sunday, but because of the inclement weather in Buffalo. Those and Orchard are the Park NFL be... rigging
1: the game for Buffalo. Continue. Oh,
0: here we go. <laughs> I'm just going to continue what I was going to go on with. Um, because of that happening, the game was moved to Monday at 4 30, originally scheduled for Sunday at 1 o'clock. And I didn't hate it nonetheless because you had two games each day, which is uh, I was perfectly fine with. But you had the Pittsburgh Steelers going into Orchard Park to take on the Buffalo Bills. Early on in this game, it was very, very sloppy for the Steelers. A couple of fumbles. You saw an interception from Mason Rudolph. Buffalo took advantage. Josh Allen had a 52-yard rushing touchdown off of some missed tackling from the Steelers. We saw Dalton Kincaid and um, Dawson Knox had added touchdowns as well. But give the Steelers their credit. They made this a game towards the end. They were able to make it a one-possession game late in the fourth quarter. The Bills would seal it on a Khalil Shakir touchdown. to give them a two-possession lead, and they would hold on to that two-possession lead as they beat the Steelers 31-17. to So Buffalo gets the win. They now advance to the divisional round, and they have a very interesting matchup now coming up in the divisional round against a certain AFC team that they have met before in the playoffs. But I know, Johnson, you're not happy about it either way. I already know what you're most likely going to say about this game. You've already made your remarks about it, but I'll let you go on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like if I, I realize it was the inclement weather, yada, yada, all that nonsense. Why don't you have a dome? I, I know people say, oh, well, it's Buffalo, the travel ban, stuff like that. Have you seen, they want to talk about players, they want to talk about fan well, safety. Have you seen the Bills fans? I think fan safety is one of them at the bottom of their priority list. So I, I would that, love
0: every NFL stadium to be a dome stadium. Like or At least have and a it's, retractable it's, it's, like, it's, listen.
1: Uh, you've heard what they said in the Pat McAfee show. The punters all say, the quarterbacks all say, it's a kind of a universal thing, no matter where they play, whether you ask the players up in Boston, in Buffalo, uh, or in in Miami where it gets gets extremely hot, or in the Southwest, and Arizona was also extremely hot. They want a dome. They want controlled environments. But you saw it here with MetLife too. Why don't we have a dome at MetLife? And you know what the reason they gave it for? They said, "Well, it gives a competitive advantage. Who's the advantage for?
0: It? Certainly not because the, the players York
1: flat out West. say we do not want to play in a we want to play in a dome. We do not want to play in the snow. We don't want to play. In, we want everything to be seventy degrees and sunny." Direct quote.
0: So the that's owners on their money, man. That's, that's pretty much where and, all comes that's down the whole thing. to.
1: Half the time, it isn't even their money because the state of New York is paying for a big chunk of this stadium. So to not have this be a dome at this point is just kind of a little ridiculous, but it's neither here nor there. Uh, The Steelers beat themselves, and there's another team
0: from Pennsylvania that also beat themselves, but we'll go into that a little bit. (laughs) I'm glad you brought that up because I'm going to go into that right now. Oh, man. What happened to the Eagles, Johnson?
1: I think this is the biggest collapse or probably a bigger collapse
0: the 11-0 Steelers, and I've been saying I, this
1: for the longest time, that this I team was giving me 11-0
0: Steelers vibes. I would tend to agree with you that I think this is worse than the Steelers one. Here's why I say this is worse. So, remember, the Eagles were 10-1. and 1. They just beat the Bills in overtime. And then they went on a tough schedule the next two weeks. They lost to the Niners badly. They lost to the Cowboys badly. Alright, you go to Monday Night Football, you're playing Drew Locke against Seattle. Things will go right for you. That didn't go well. They lost that game in a late touchdown. Then they beat the Giants on Christmas. That was a closer game than a lot of people expected. But the Giants were one throw away from potentially tying it. Okay, so the Eagles get by. They're back on track. Now they have a clear-cut path to winning the division once again. Then they lose to the Cardinals at home on a late touchdown. And then they go to MetLife and get beat down by the Giants. And in that game, Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown both get hurt. So now the Eagles go into this game against Tampa Bay pretty much battered up. They don't have A.J. Brown for this one. So now you're realistically relying on Devonta Smith, who's also coming back from injury to be your top guy receiving. And think about the team they were playing at Tampa Bay. This is a team that last season won the division. They lost Tom Brady. They had to go to Baker Mayfield because their only quarterback on the roster was Kyle Trask. And Tampa Bay was in salary cap issues the entire going into last season's offseason. They signed Baker Mayfield to a team-friendly deal. Baker just sneaks by getting them into the playoffs after they almost collapsed and lost to Carolina the week before. And in this game, the the common denominator was this for the Eagles. They couldn't tackle. They did not show up to play for this game whatsoever. Missed tackles on defense. Jalen Hurts had pretty much had to check down every single time he threw the football. The only times he could throw the football were to Devonta Smith, who did have a monster game with 148 yards receiving. but. This game was all Tampa Bay, especially in that second half. The Buccaneers outscoring the Eagles by a score of 16-0 in that second half. It was a one-possession game going into halftime. It was 16-9 going into the half, but Buccaneers forcing a safety. That started the downfall for the Eagles. The Bucs would then score a touchdown just about a minute later after that safety. They would end it with another touchdown in the fourth quarter, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they are moving on the divisional round with a 32-9 beatdown of the Eagles. So the Eagles collapse and the way any Giant fans will love it to see it. They fall in the first round of the playoffs. And for a Giant fan like myself, both them and the Cowboys lose this week. So I would say it's pretty much like the Giants were in the playoffs this week. So I'm very happy as a response. Is this a moral victory? This is the when your team is pretty much down the dumps and you had a rough season and you see two of your arch rivals lose, and especially in the way that they lost, yeah, this is pretty much a moral victory. So I will take uh, understandable. this very, very gladly.
1: So I want to bring up a couple points here. Um, great. So we're going to talk about, so did Baker Mayfield ruin the career of Nick Sirianni
0: or Jalen Hurts? Uh, Nick Sirianni. Okay. So we think Jalen Hurts is safe. I would say he's safe. He's safer than Sirianni. oh, absolutely.
1: I think he's absolutely he's safe. Not him, even I'm a saying, question. going forward, like Sirianni,
0: I, Sirianni I, is in the hot seat going into next year. I, here's what I'm going to tell you: I say Sirianni is going to stay one more year. And the reason I bring this up is because look at the previous history with Howie Roseman and his head coaches. He didn't fire Andy Reid up until you know two years after end. they had a, a really bad very season, bitter end, right? Then he didn't fire Chip Kelly. And Chip Kelly, we all know how that tenure went with the Eagles. He didn't fire Doug Pearson until that very 2020 season where they were like 3-11 and whatever it was, 3-14-1. They were horrible that year. So he sticks it out to the very end. He gives his coaches an opportunity. Remember, that was after Doug Pearson led the Eagles to a Super Bowl, not even three years after that. So I think Sirianni is going to have one more go at it. But he's got a lot of lingering issues going into the offseason. As we all know now, Jason Kelsey, the longtime Eagles center, is retiring. So that's a big, big miss for them up in that interior because of all the times they do the tush-push, especially in this game, they actually didn't get a tush-push to work for them on a two-point conversion try. So they now lose their their best center, their best offensive lineman, and they now have to replace him. Then you have other guys as free agent, DeAndre Swift, Brandon Graham, some guys that were key contributors for this team. and. Who knows what they do now in the off season? Sirianni is in a bad spot right now because this team went to the Super Bowl last year, and if not for a holding call, they would have probably won the Super Bowl. And then they started ten and one this season, and they won one game to end the year. They lost what was it, six or seven to end the season?
1: Uh they we went two and six,
0: two and six, whatever it was.
1: Yeah, two and so- six.
0: Yeah, it's it's unfathomable how epic this collapse was. And I say this is worse than the Steelers' one just because of what they did the year prior. They were in the Super Bowl. The Steelers, at least, were not in the playoffs the year prior. So it wasn't as bad, but it still was pretty bad nonetheless. But this one's even worse. Now you have to... And thankfully, not thankfully for me, but thankfully for the Eagles, they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago because if they didn't. So,
1: Nick, I'm glad you kind of mentioned Jason Kelsey. You would say he's the best center in the NFL, right?
0: I would tend to – I would say he is the best center in the NFL. So So now you're losing the best center center in the game. How does the greatest
1: center or the best center in the modern game in the last probably six, seven years of the NFL – not know that, or they, he's not knowing that they're blitzing every single time. How does he pick that up? Every Do third down. Every it third down. A, every third but, down. Uh, it, it was like you, but your five-year-old brother that's was playing Madden, Hurt. and you saw him just kind of flounder. Now, is it because Jalen Hurts can't read an offense, or, I'm sorry, can't read a defense, and he kind of heavily it, relies on RPO?
0: It's going to be a mixture of things, so Here's the problem the Eagles had, and this was a big issue going into the season. They did not have a slot wide receiver the entire year. Do you know who their number two wide receiver was going into last night? I think I you know. I tell you. It was Julio Jones. He was their number two, like officially was, on the depth chart? Because of not having A.J. Brown, Julio Jones was the number two wide receiver for the Eagles in this game. And this is another issue for the Eagles. Remember, they lost both of their coordinators last season. They lost Jonathan Gannon. And they lost Shane Steichen. And Steichen, you could tell, was a big godsend for that team because they did so many good things offensively this season. And look what he did with the Colts. He got them into a position where they almost made the playoffs. The Eagles hired Brian Johnson, who was on the team as the the team's quarterback coach, to be their new offensive coordinator. And that's why people on the Eagles are not happy with the season because a lot of the play calling, not only in this game, but for the entire season, was pretty pitiful. They had a lot of plays where you saw last night third down you have an opportunity to try to get the first down and continue to drive Buccaneers are blitzing they throw a check down to the running back and they're stopped short the first down that was pretty much the entire year for Philadelphia and then you had the other side of the ball with the defensive coordinator they had an issue at DC what do they do they make Matt Patricia call the plays for the rest of the season at, D- at defense and their defense was not good the rest of the season so The Eagles have a lot of issues right now going into the offseason. It's a coach, potentially quarterback, your coordinators, and your roster. As a Giants fan, I'm happy that they're having these issues because I thought this was going to be a reign of terror for the Eagles after what they did last season. But thankfully, it looks to be – I'm hoping that it's the case. Hopefully, this continues for the Eagles, but who knows?
1: So I think that being said, uh, that kind of recaps our – wildcard weekend portion of it, but we do have some coaching news that we have to go into.
0: Yeah, as I met, as we mentioned earlier, uh, we wrapped up the show last week. Remember, we talked about a couple of coaching uh, news last week. We had the obvious, you know, couple coaches getting fired. Now having new people hired, you know, Arthur Smith, Ron Rivera, Mike Vrabel, they were gone. And I said to you on that show, most likely after tomorrow, there most likely would be more news going on. And we possibly had the the wildest day last week. What was it? Last Tuesday or last Wednesday? Last Tuesday. Was that when? Or last we Wednesday. Even... Last
1: Wednesday.
0: Excuse me. Last what So literally last last Wednesday. Six days. So ago. keep it, keep in mind. So on Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday night. Or maybe it was early Wednesday. Pete Carroll and the Seahawks parted ways. Um, so we knew this was a, kind of a shocker to me because it didn't seem like you know Pete Carroll was going to be let go, maybe have another year or two. He's obviously 72 years of age. It's going to happen eventually that they're going to have to part ways. Just didn't seem like they were going to do it this early on. And he now is no longer the head coach of the team. He's going to stay on with the team as an advisor now and executive vice president. But now the Seahawks are going into this offseason looking for a head coach. And as I mentioned earlier, I think the prime candidate most likely can be Dan Quinn from the Cowboys, a former Seahawks coordinator that knows the Pete Carroll system. So I'm curious what that happens, but what was your initial thoughts about this?
1: Well Pete Carroll's obviously a legend. He's one of the only head coaches, I believe, and correct me on this, to win both a Super Bowl
0: and a uh, a national championship. And a national
1: championship. So he did his the dude, First Super Bowl um, in
0: Seahawks history. The only Super Bowl in their history. Yeah. So he's
1: clearly a legendary head coach. And did time pass him by? Maybe. Maybe, but uh, I'm, I'm, I hope he got to go all, out on his own terms. That's the only thing I really have to say. I hope he. I, I hope he got. It to wasn't.
0: Him. I can tell you right now. It definitely wasn't because he wants. He still wants to coach. He still wants to coach. That's he still wants to man. coach. There was. Uh, yeah, it 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 seemed like a weird breakup because you could see it in his press conference. He was very sad that he um, is no longer the head coach of the team. So. I don't know if he's going to be he, – He maybe he gets hired so as a coach pre- pre- So pretty much sure they Bayheimed him? Yeah, pretty much. It I'd seems see like it. that. But, it, you know, that would be a normal headline when that happens. But after what happened <laughs> after that, then Pete Carroll kind of got lost in the fold of what was going on. Got lost in um, the sauce over here. Exactly. Nick Saban. Now, I know this is an NFL show, but keep in mind, Nick Saban was a former NFL head coach. The probably the best college football coach we've had ever. Seven national championships, six at Alabama, one with LSU. Story career. A lot of people didn't expect him to retire just yet after almost winning in the national after losing in that semifinal game to Michigan. They thought maybe a couple more years and he's done. But Nick Saban shocked the world that he is now no longer the head coach for the Alabama Crimson Tide, retiring and. Coincidentally, he's also 72 years of age, so it seems to be that um, common number right now, I guess, in the world of football. But yeah, he's no longer the head coach at Alabama, so we're going to have a very interesting college football season coming up, Johnson, now. We said it going into our final show of the year a couple weeks ago, but now with no Nick Saban at Bama, the world of college football as we know it is certainly changing.
1: Alain DeBoer is going to be the new guy. And this is a guy that he definitely is. got to go out on his uh, on his own terms.
0: He's still going to be overlooking, though. He's going to be the
1: puppet master. Yep. And there were tributes of him, uh, pictures, memories, flooded that statue outside in Bryant-Denning Stadium. And uh, Diet Cokes and, I'm sorry, regular Cokes and oatmeal cream pies littered yep. the stadium, uh, his favorite snacks. So it was a, certainly a, a melancholy moment. If you're an Auburn fan, you're rejoicing. If you're an SEC fan, you're probably rejoicing.
0: You're definitely rejoicing.
1: Sad, you've kind of relieved that his reign of terror is kind of finally over.
0: But you got to kind of
1: think about it. What's going to happen now?
0: I don't know. You got a whole new. I he even said it in his you know his interview the day after he retired. the The whole new world of college football it was getting too much for him. You have to commit to these new recruits, and obviously at 72 years of age, that's tough to do. That's one. Then you got the NIL coming in, the transfer portal. You now have a new twelve-team format coming in. There's a lot to talk about, and this conference realignment as well. So you have all of that going for you. That gives you a, that's going to put a lot of stress on you. And he even said that this past season was probably the most stressful season he's had as a head coach. So probably best for him to go out in his best terms. And he 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 gave Alabama a fighting chance at the end of the day to potentially win one more national championship, but. Yeah, the world of college football is very, very different to what we saw maybe a decade ago. At this age,
1: you can't really say freshman, oh, yeah, I'll be here the entire time. Right. Talk about if if a redshirt, he's he's there for five years. You're 77 years old. You can't make that commitment anymore. Right. So I'm glad he stepped down when he did because at the end of the day, you can't like tell these kids, oh, yeah, I'll be here in four years, knowing in the back of your mind. It's like, well, I'll be on a beach somewhere in uh, in Cancun like the rest of the guys who've flunked out of the NFL playoffs. Um, right. You can't do it at this point. It's also a full year job. Full year uh job, not like the NFL where you have an off season, you can't recoup. Twenty-four-seven recruiting kids, uh go on visits f- and stuff like yeah, that. It's, yeah, it's, but... it's always on the road. It's not like the NFL. It's right. uh it's a lot
0: more taxing on your body. College is a whole different ballgame. Right. And funny enough, that was the biggest news of that Tuesday uh, I believe that was that 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 Wednesday And I think Thursday was when this other news broke down. I could be wrong on my dates. I'm not 100% sure of the exact timeline of this. But this was a move that we kind of, at least for me, I expected. I'll let you talk about this. I'll give you the floor for this when I break this down. But Bill Belichick, after 24 seasons with the New England Patriots, is no longer the head coach. He and Robert Kraft agreeing to part ways and give the team a new future at head coach. We'll talk about who the new head coach is for the Patriots in just a little bit. But it's another changing of the guards for not now. First, we talked about Saber with college football. Now, with Belichick in the NFL, a team, you know, one of the greatest dynasties in all of in all of football. He won. What was it? Six or seven Super Bowls, right? Was it six Super six Bowls Super with the Bowls, Patriots
1: and then two of the Giants,
0: two with the Giants. So I, I, I listen. I like Belichick. I've never been a hater of him. Um, he's still a great coach. He's going to be a hot, He's already a Hakamadi so far in this upcoming, you know, coaching carousel. The Falcons are interviewing him, interviewing him for their head coaching job. I would expect to see the Cowboys potentially interview him if they fire Mike McCarthy. But yeah, what a the year twenty twenty four is certainly bringing a lot of changes to our world that we've known for how many years for pretty much our entire livelihood as an adult. Saban no longer is coaching. Belichick is no longer a Patriot and now we have these new things going into 2024. It's a lot of change and we'll have to see it for the best, but as the Patriot fan Johnson, I'll leave the floor to you. What was your thoughts about Bill Belichick? uh, you know, parting ways with the Patriots and overall, what, um, what are your, you know, what do you expect to see now for the future for the rest of this, uh, this tenure with their new head coach. Well,
1: we all saw coming eventually, especially after Tom left. We figured, okay, there's probably five years after that. That's what we're thinking. Maybe 2025, maybe 2026, he would step down. And from what it sounds like, the plan was, and spoiler alert: Gerard Mayo, Gerard Mayo, longtime Patriots assistant and former Pro Bowler or All Pro under Belichick, is that new head coach. It was written into their contract that Bill, that was Bill's hand chosen successor, right? So it could bypass all the NFL job or all, all the, the entire recruiting process. doesn't matter because they had a written succession plan that this, this was the plan. And he was planning on taking over in 2025, obviously winning four games kind of speeds it up a little bit, yeah, especially third with overall a pick. Yeah. third overall pick kind of changes your plan. You have to be, you got to think now that uh, if the Patriots won nine or ten games this year, which I think they could have won seven or eight games pretty easily just looking at uh, how they lost those games, one score yeah. game, stuff like that. Yeah. It wasn't really out of a realm of possibility. If you, the Patriots do win eight or nine games, does this happen so so quickly?
0: Probably uh, not. But I don't think so.
1: No. So that, I feel like this year kind of accelerated, but it was going to happen next year no matter what. And since we're in a position to take a generational talent potentially – and Bill was going to leave anyway next year, I feel like that's this is a good point to kind of leave. change the scenery, yeah. Not really change the scenery, per, per se, but if we – I listen, if the guy's not going to be here next year or a year after that, that was kind of mm. written into his contract, why would I want him to pick the future of the franchise at Well, that
0: point? how long do you think Belichick – so he's obviously still wanting to coach. He's obviously interviewing for more head coaching jobs. Until and he breaks I the was, record. Okay, so you think that's, until that's, he breaks the record? Yeah, so how if many, he gets – I think he How needs twenty
1: two wins, I think. Something
0: like that. Okay. Doesn't need a, he doesn't need a lot. So but he needs just enough. If that's the case, what do you think or who do you think is the best fit for him? If a team that can win now. A team that can win now.
1: So who, win who, now. Do you,
0: who do you think that could be? I'll give a, uh, you have an example. Honestly,
1: a team like Atlanta, which he just interviewed with. You think Atlanta
0: can win right now, lo-
1: He loves his two tight end sets. That is his. He loves, and you have Kyle Pitts and John Smith. And I feel bad for you John Smith. Right?
0: They still. Have I, the I like John Smith. They have I, I don't the eighth pick in the draft, though. They would have to trade up, though. They would have
1: to trade up, and it's not really like, oh, like if they have the eighth pick; they're condemned. Like, no, the eighth pick is not that bad because the the NFL draft is going to get funky, right? You're assuming that Caleb Williams and Drake may go one and two, right? Yeah. Now it depends on what the Patriots do, but. You could see maybe Jaden Daniels fall to number
0: 8. And I doubt it, but yeah. It's very possible though. It
1: it's in that realm, possible. If not, so. could you see could you see if uh, uh trading up to maybe 5 to get Jaden Daniels? Because I, I think I if, certainly do.
0: I I could see them trading up, that's for sure. If they if if Belichick is the coach, I think I first of all I agree with the pat the fact of a team that's hiring Belichick is the team that's going to say, "All right, We're not that far off from winning a championship. We can win it like relatively soon. That's why I said Dallas is an opportunity, because if they fire McCarthy, they're still in that window of potentially winning a Super Bowl. Um, I think another team, maybe the Chargers, I understand they've had their issues, but the issue for the Chargers has been what? Their defense. And who knows better than anyone how to coach and fix a defense? Bill Belichick. That could be the guy that could potentially get the Chargers over the hump. I don't know if they if it will happen, considering what's happened to the Chargers this past, what, two decades or whatever, even longer than that. But the issue last season for San Diego or L.A., or wherever, wherever the hell you want to call them, has been their defense. I think if you fix their defense and you get a guy like Belichick, maybe you fix it. I don't know if it will happen right away, but it ha- it has to be – Absolutely what you said. A team that is in position to win right now or can at least win in a year or two. Because Belichick isn't going to be coaching for that much longer.
1: I'll give him probably four years max. I think that's his timeline. I was going to uh, say
0: four or five years max, yeah.
1: He is in his early 70s. He's not exactly 71. 72 like he's everyone else, but he's there. turning 72 this April. Yeah. So he probably has, I want to say, four, maybe five years max. Right. Uh, he wants Don Schiller's all time win record. That's the uh that's the real goal right there. And if he could probably just average seven or eight wins a, a year, he'll get it sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, I think we'll have to see. Uh there's a lot of interesting teams. We we know the all the teams that are currently high right now. Seattle is now added to the mix, the Titans, the Raiders, Chargers, Panthers, uh, Commanders. Falcons. I'm trying to think if I'm missing a team. I think I covered all the, um, I think I covered all the teams that are currently. It's
1: 26, by the way. That's the magic number. He needs 26
0: to break the record. Needs 26. I mean, I mean, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be guaranteed to win 13 games the next two seasons. No. He has to. He Fun would literally fact, have to go with the, the situation. In the which top, again, I think is Dallas. But besides, in college. the top,
1: uh, I'll call it 15, right? Because top 14 is cherry picking. Uh, In the top 15 win-loss leaders, in that, there's only one other coach that's never tied. One is Bill Belichick, and there's a second one right now. The Patriots haven't tied? Well, Bill Belichick has never had a... No. When, even when he was a Cleveland Brown, he never tied. Really? Wow. And there's Ever. a current head coach? Yep. No, he's not a current head coach.
0: Oh. There is, so there is a current head coach in that kind of range, but... Oh, I mean, it would have to be someone like Tomlin or Harbaugh. Uh, I don't was, know. They, the last time he was coaching
1: him. was about ten years ago. Oh, or probably uh, fifteen years ago. Fifteen years ago. Um, actually, no, ten years ago. I'm I'm lying. I'm excuse me. I'm lying. Bill,
0: I was gonna say Bill Cower. I thought that's where he was. He was
1: in your division coaching ten years ago.
0: Um. Oh, Wade Phillips. No. No. His
1: son he is did. a head coach right now.
0: Oh, Mike, um, uh, the former Denver coach, right? Uh, yep, and Redskin head um, coach Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan, yep, 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 yep. Only him in the top to
1: fifteen. So to all these other guys, whether it is Don Shula or it's Mar- Marty Schottenheimer, Andy well, Reid, Curly Lambeau, all these guys have tied at least one time. Just uh, Bill Belichick and Mike Shanahan. So that's your trivia in the
0: top fifteen most famous coaches. That. I thought Belichick tied one game. Never never once. Wow. So as a Brown and a, and a Patriot, huh? And I guess for that 30 minutes of it as a Jets head coach, but nonetheless. Nevertheless. Yeah, so uh, we'll see how Gerard Mayo does. I'm very curious what the Patriots do now. It's going to be a certainly a different change of direction now with the new head coach, and we'll have to see if Mayo can succeed Bill Belichick after 24 years of dominance as the New England Patriots head coach. I'm looking forward to it, and I think with that, uh,
1: all that being said, we are making our way to the favorite time, or my favorite time of the show, which is the mushing hour. Uh, for those who are just listening for the first time, the mushing hour is when we take the hottest games and give you a 50-50 shot. We're not just picking, oh, who's going to win the game, money line, because that's boring. We'll give you spread or points total, and if it's close enough, like, let's say it's a one-point favorite or one-and-a-half-point favorite, then maybe we'll swing swing money line. But you're getting, uh, at worst, probably minus 110 or minus 120 odds here. Uh, Nick is 76 and 69. I am 79 nice. and 66. Uh, both over in the year. I'm up 13 units. He is up seven units. So if you've tailed all of us, uh, even of us for the entire year, you've made a lot of money so far. So congrats if you've done that. With that being I wanna, said,
0: I want to point out one thing before you continue, Johnson. Uh, we were tied going into the Monday Night Football game, and I picked the Eagles. Oops. Oops. Whoops. Did I mush them? I don't know. That's Maybe. unfortunate. it happens That's sometimes. Though. Yeah, yeah, it does. But let's let's go into the divisional round
1: All right, Then so in the divisional round, we have the Houston Texans on the road going into MT Bank Stadium to take on the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore at home is a seven and a half point favorite, and forty three and a half is the slated over under. With that being said, give me the Texans to cover plus seven and a half, but not to win this game.
0: Okay. I do, I do like that pick, too. I think Cusick could keep this close. Now, remember. Seven halves a little disrespectful. That is it's definitely, considering what the Texans did last week to the Browns, a team that has had the Ravens numbered pretty much for most of the season. Now, let's remember what happened in week one. These two teams did play in the first week of the season, and there was a lot of different things about that. 25-9, Ravens won that game. Obviously, it was C.J. Stroud's first NFL career start. Got to get over the jitters in that game. Now you're going into the divisional round, you're facing a Baltimore team that, let's face facts, a lot of people believe is going to the Super Bowl and most likely can win that Super Bowl championship. I don't I want to take the Texans plus seven and a half two because I don't want to fully I I really don't want to fully mush them because I think they can keep this close. I'm gonna go with the over for this game. I like what the Texans did offensively last week against the, the Browns, a team that's been pretty good solidly on defense. I think they keep this game close. I think the Ravens are going to have to score a good amount of points as well. And I think your pick of Texas plus 7.5 is pretty good. I I expect Baltimore to win this game by four points.
1: All righty, then, taking the over.
0: So the
1: next game we have is the Green Bay Packers on the road taking on the San Francisco 49ers going to Santa Clara? Uh, San Francisco at home minus nine and a half points. Fifteen and half is the slated over under. Give me Niners minus nine and a half. You know my opinion on this team. If you listen to the show even for a minute uh, in the last two or three months, I am a big rider with the 49ers. Not a 49ers fan, but I think they have the best team, especially adding, uh, adding. The- be adding Chase Young to that defensive line alongside Nick Bosa is going to be a nightmare for the, uh, for the Packers. Great team, just too young to kind of withstand that kind of uh that pressure, especially on the road in an environment like San Francisco in the Bay Area. So it's going to be 49ers minus nine and a half.
0: This is a big game for the Packers considering how they've lost the last four times these two teams have met in the playoffs. This will be Johnson the 10th time In their team's history, that they have met in the playoffs, that is an NFL record, I believe. So, and considering that this playoff you know history started in nineteen ninety five, so it's been it's been kind of crazy. These two teams have met so many times over the past couple years. The last matchup was twenty twenty one, a thirteen to ten win for the Forty Nine ers on a Mason on a uh, Robbie Gold. I almost said Mason Crosby on a Robbie Gold game winning field goal. So, I expect this to be closer than I don't know. I want to say the Packers keep this one close. The Niners overall are the better team on paper. We said the same thing about Dallas last week, and the Packers went out and stomped them out, and they put up a great fighting in that one, and they won the game. I think at the end of the day for me, I'm going to go with the under, just because I think this is a low-scoring game. I really think the Packers can keep it closer than people think it will be, but... I think the Niners' defense is going to be this, the key reason why they win this game and move on. All right, then.
1: Next game we have up is the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off that big win against the Eagles at home, going on the road to Detroit, and the Lions hosting their second playoff game in the last 30 years. Detroit at home, 6.5-point favorites, 48.5 is the slated over-under. Give me lines, my 6.5. Uh, I think the Buccaneers had a great story, but they're Story, fairy tale ending is coming to an end soon. Baker will get an extension. He will put up a valiant effort. But I think the lines will sneak by this one more time, probably by a touchdown.
0: Another matchup we have where these two teams met, and funny enough, Johnson, all th- I believe three of the four matchups that we have this week are matches that we had in the regular season this this season. So very fun to see this happen twice in the year. Um, You have Tampa Bay coming off the win against the Eagles. They lost to the Lions earlier in the season, 20-6. to I believe that was in week five of the NFL season. So, obviously, things have changed since then. Um, I agree with you. I think I liked what I saw from Tampa Bay last week, or uh, Monday, I should say. Put up a really good showing. I just don't see that happening once again. I'm going to go with Lions, and I'm going to go with my six-and-a-half as well.
1: Right, event and the final game of our divisional preview, we have the probably the biggest game of the week. We have the Kansas City Swifties, excuse me, Chiefs, uh, <laughs> going on against the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo, uh, at home in Orchard Park in their stadium that was just dug out by fans this week and hopefully doesn't happen have, have to happen again. Give it uh, another cold one. Buffalo is a two and a half point favorite at home, over under is sleeve at 46 and a half. Now, I know we said we don't really give money lines. This is kind of close enough. Give me Bill's money line here. Give me Josh Allen to get revenge on Patrick Mahomes and finally make an AFC championship game. That is my pick. Give me Bill's money line.
0: i trying to think, Jonathan. When was the last time the Bills went to an AFC championship game?
1: I probably wasn't alive. Neither were you.
0: I would tend to agree with that. When was the last time they made the Super Bowl? Was it the late 90s? so we were I mean, live was it was it no i don't think no i don't think we were wasn't it this the? was it 1994 is that the last uh, year went to the maybe
1: maybe um yeah it's been a minute then
0: i'm trying to think off the top of my head when the last one 1993. 1993 oh we got it at the same time yes
1: i was not alive
0: yeah we were not alive for that um I try to think overall. When the last time they went the AFC Championship game, I'll have to think about that as I make this pick. Now, we know the history of these two teams these last couple of seasons. Obviously, you had that thriller a couple of years ago with the Chiefs coming back to win the game in overtime after driving down the field in 13 seconds to tie it. I know Buffalo fans. I'm sorry that I had to bring that up, but that's what we have in this game. You have a lot of playoff history between these two teams, and. The Bills are trying to get to the, the championship game for the first time in a long time. And obviously, you have to get past a daunted opponent in the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I forgot. I, didn't they play in the 2021 AFC Championship game now I'm thinking about, it, Johnson? This, these two teams?
1: Uh, did they? I think that was the AFC Championship game. I'm sorry. I meant the Super Bowl then. They haven't yeah, won
0: so, an AFC Championship since yeah,
1: 1993. Yeah, so they haven't been to the
0: Super Bowl since ninety three, And then they played each other in 2021. That was the year... Um, before that 13-second uh, mishap. Yes. So the Bills obviously want revenge. I think what's going to be huge for them is if Josh Allen can, you know, can continue to run the ball like he did this pre- previous game, as well as getting James Cook involved, because adding that running game to Buffalo has been certainly big for them these, la- these last couple of weeks, these last couple of months. Uh, if you get Gabe Davis back, that would be huge as well because we saw what Gabe Davis did to Kansas City a couple years ago in that playoff game. Um, the Chiefs aren't the same team that we have also saw these last couple of playoff matches that we met, had between these two teams. So that's really concerning for the Chiefs going into this game. I'm going to go with Buffalo minus two and a half. I think this is the monkey, you know, the, the quarter central, getting the monkey off your back and getting that playoff win to solidify yourselves. And I think Buffalo finally gets it done. They they beat, you know, the team that they haven't been able to beat these last couple of years. They beat them in the regular season. I know it's tough to beat them twice in one season. I think they get it done and they go to Baltimore to play in the AFC Championship game. Okay, that will wrap up our uh, our
1: podcast here for the evening. Anything you have anything you'd like to say Nick to uh before we sign off?
0: Uh yeah. Omega lol, Eagles, and how about them Cowboys?
1: And you heard it here first, folks.
0: <laughs> I'm not a salty fan whatsoever. Never salty. I'm just, I just love my team's downfalls. And I know you do too. I'm a big fan, which is why you took the Eagles, and you're hoping for a Chiefs win now. Yep, yep. That pretty much explains it. So we'll have to see how it all unfolds this week in the divisional round as we get one step closer to the Super Bowl. We're down to eight teams. We started with sixteen down to eight, and next week we'll have four. We'll have to see how it all unfolds. But that's going to do it for this week's edition of the All-Gas-No-Break Sports Show, a wild, super wild-card weekend we just had this past week. We now move on to the divisional round. As I mentioned, we're down to eight teams. Only four can win and move on to the conference championship games, and then we get one step closer to seeing who will be the two teams playing in this year's Super Bowl. It should be a fun one. This has been Nicholas Pavona joined alongside by Andrew Johnson with The All Gas Now Break Sports Show. Have a great rest of your weekend.